The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good evening and welcome. Welcome, everybody. Nice to see you all. So today, I'd like to talk a, a little bit more about kind of a, a topic that I introduced last week. It's perfectly fine if you didn't hear last week. But it's not unusual that when we're meditating, especially for a longer sit, you know, 45 minutes, we might notice there's this thought, there's this like uh, narration, this uh, inner dialogue or inner I don't know, conversation, maybe that's happening. Something like, uh, I can't meditate. or I've been practicing for so long and still, you know, here it is after 45 minutes. When is this dang bell going to ring anyways? (laughs) Right. Is she awake? (laughs) So at the same time, like, I can't meditate or what's my mind is out of control or... Maybe at the same time, or not the exact same time, but within the same minute, there might be somebody like, well, I'm sitting up straighter than that other person, or I'm quieter than that other person, or whatever it might be, right? There's these ways in which we have these thoughts where we're comparing ourselves to others. Sometimes we think that we're better, sometimes we think that we're worse, and sometimes we think that we're the same. You know, however it is, it's uh, pretty common to compare ourselves. And it's also pretty common that in these comparisons, we come up uh, feeling not so good. There's a way in which we're kind of like beating ourselves up. There's this inner critic that gets activated. And it can be pretty persuasive. We seem to be pretty authoritative and pretty loud. This inner critic, we, I've talked about this a number of times in a number of different settings, but uh, I think it's an important thing to just talk about because it has such a big influence on us, whether we recognize it or not. And we'll talk about that, that a little bit more later. But first, I'll just spend a little bit moment describing this inner critic it's this way that this maybe this inner voice that's constantly putting us down, belittling us. It has this self-judgment, that's negativity. Like, you can't do this. Or, gosh, this is, you won't be able, just, you won't be able to do it. Or, it's so, it's just awful some of the things that we say to ourselves. You're a loser or, you know, whatever it might be. We would never say to anybody else, but sometimes we say to ourselves, blaming ourselves for any experience of discomfort or noticing how the mind is seemingly out of control and we can't quite get it to settle down. There's this way that this inner critic kind of like is nagging at us, wanting us to behave differently and be better somehow. Not, maybe it's not even clear exactly what this better is and it's fascinating for me it's a little bit fascinating how it also comes with this sense of shame somehow like this feeling of inadequacy is like 
we shouldn't be this way. There's something like inherently wrong with us. Of course, none of these things are true, but we believe them. We believe so many of our thoughts. Of course we do. We're having these thoughts. I'm having it. It must be true. And so much about practice is seeing how we don't have to believe our thoughts. And I'll talk a little bit more about that today. But I also just want to point out also one more other thing about this inner critic is this um, has a tone of harshness. It's not a kind, warm, loving thing. It has this, this, uh, this environment or this climate that gets created of harshness, as opposed to like warmth and kindness. So this feeling of inadequacy, of not being enough, or somehow the, who I am or how I am is not enough, it's often based on comparing and whether that comparing is explicit or implicit, there's a way in which we're comparing to this idea we have about how we should be. This idea about how other people are. Or maybe it's an idea of how we have been in the past. So as there's this comparison, like, should be maybe we have this glorified ideal out there somewhere and then we have our experience and noticing the gap and oh, something wrong with me terribly wrong with me or this sense of because I'm not worthy because I'm not uh, meeting whatever I'm getting compared to whatever I compare myself to well something that I want to introduce is this whole activity of comparing I'm talking about how we compare and we find ourselves falling up short, but also this activity of comparing to others or to how we used to be, whether we think that we're better or whether we think that we're the same. But it's just the activity of comparing is one way in which we are creating a sense of me, a sense of I am like this. And this is subtle, but it's also pervasive. And so we may be so accustomed to it that we don't even notice it. But this sense of, I'm like this, and there's this reification or this solidity or this sense of, I'm like this, and I'm always like this. There's something about my inherent me-ness, we have this idea of like just to be me means to have this quality. I'm, I'm a terrible meditator. I'll never be able to meditate correctly. Or Somehow for me, I had a, certainly this idea that whatever I was doing wasn't enough. Like I had to do more. Like I had to work harder or get more education or <laughs> work longer hours or move up the corporate ladder back when I was in corporate America. You know, I had this feeling like it always had to be more. It's exhausting. Have you noticed? (laughs) Some of you might have noticed this, right? But not only does uh, this way of kind of uh, comparing, 
for me, I kind of had this idea that it just wasn't an enough somehow. It doesn't matter what I compared myself to. I, and at that time, I'm not even sure I would have been able to articulate this to you. It's something that now, looking back, I can see so clearly from this vantage point. But from that, when I was in the midst of it, it was just natural. And of course, I mean, that's because all my peers, right, had this feeling too. This is how often organizations work. They have this sense of, you have to do more. But the sense of me also is this, when we compare this solidification, like, I'm like this, but also what comes with that is a sense of I'm like this and you are like that. We are separate. There's, and this distinction between us is very clear. These, these aren't like necessarily um, explicit thoughts that we have, but inherent in the sense of me is a sense of separateness. And of course we are separate, right? I'm here in this uh, body and with this skin barrier and you guys are over there, each of you in your own. So I'm not saying anything that's, you know, metaphysical or... I'm just saying that the sense of being separate, sense of being isolated, sometimes this gets highlighted and sometimes it's not even there. It's really fluid And if we think about it with our thinking mind, of course, we're going to say, of course, separate. I don't know what Diana's talking about. But what I'm pointing to is experience. Not thoughts, experience. So for example, when we're doing one of our favorite activities, gardening, sports, hiking, doing jigsaw puzzles, drinking tea with our friends, coffee, whatever it might be. There isn't this inherent sense of, or really strong sense of being separate. We're just doing what we're doing. We're just hiking. We're just in nature. We're just drinking coffee. As opposed to these other times when we have a real sense of, I'm inadequate, I'm not enough or something like this. Inherent with this is a sense of separation. And this, and probably you've noticed, there's a sense of dukkha with this, right? And dukkha representing this word has such a really wide range from this really subtle, very subtle, very subtle sense of, hmm, something's not quite right to just these horrifying, terrifying experiences on the other end of the spectrum. And hopefully you're not experiencing over here on this end of the spectrum where things are just the absolute worst. But there's often this sense of like dissatisfaction, like things aren't quite right, needs to be better, want to be a little bit more comfortable. So the Buddha pointed to this sense of this comparing And the sense of me that gets created with comparing. Making a me and comparing are exactly the same thing, kind of looked at from different aspects. And there's this way that this making a me, we could also say, is making a self. A self is this thing that uh, has this 
inherent existence that is separate from everything else. Again, I'm not saying that you don't exist. That would be silly to say something like that. I'm pointing to this, uh, what I was pointing to maybe earlier, is like this sense of separateness and this real distinct sense of uh, I'm me. And Buddhist practice is not anything about like destroying the self or exploding the self or dissolving the self or erasing the self or emerging the self with some big uh, unity of with something else. That's not what's being pointed to at all. Instead, what's being pointed to is a type of understanding about the self that brings freedom. A type of understanding that brings ease. A type of understanding that brings peace and sense of well-being. That's what's being pointed to with all these teachings. And so when we start to understand like deeply, like in our hearts and minds and maybe even in a way in our bodies, then we realize that, well, actually there isn't anything here, here, that I have to protect, I have to defend, that I have to worry about. And there's this way that uh, when we recognize that fear just gets released, because we don't have to protect and defend, so there isn't the fear there. And there's this freedom that arises, this beautiful freedom. So, We might say, if we've listened to this talk so far, like, okay, comparing is making a self or a me. And this is about understanding a self so we can find more freedom. Buddhist practice, we would say, is about that. Then we might say, okay, then I just need to stop comparing. We can't. This is what humans do. This is part of, you know, the human experience. Only the most realized people don't compare. So instead, we do like what we do with everything in our practice that seems like an obstacle or a difficulty. We use it as a gateway. We use it as a stepping stone for greater understanding. It's a gateway for some different type of practice. So instead of getting, having this idea like, oh, I shouldn't be comparing, I shouldn't be judging, this is what humans do. Of course we do. Right? Part of it is like this discernment. Is this helpful or not helpful? Is this person going to help me or harm me? You know, this is just how we're wired. The amount of judging that we do, right? Some of the judging we do is extra. And so we can make a distinction between judging and discernment. But there is a way in which we are always kind of like comparing So how do we use this when we notice that this is happening? How can we use this as a way to deepen our practice, to find a way to greater ease and peace and freedom? So one way is to just, when we notice that this comparing is happening, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but when we notice that this is happening, and part of it can be because this inner critic is really loud. I'm lousy. I'm a terrible meditator. I don't even know why I come to these meditation centers. Or, I mean, obviously, it could be the other 
I'm the best one here. I don't even know why Diana is there teaching. I should be the one that's teaching. Or, you know, sometimes we have these ideas like, what does she know? What does the teacher know? We all have these types of ideas, right? I could do a better job. Something like this. So here's one thing how we can make this as a gateway to greater freedom. When we discover that we're doing this comparing, is we can ask ourselves, how does this comparing impact how I see myself and others? How does this comparing impact how I see myself and others? The act of comparing. Maybe you've noticed that you're already seeing yourself in a dim light, but how does this act of comparing also influence how you see others? So whether or not you answer that question, just asking that question can be enormously helpful. How is this impacting me? A, because asking that question means that you're not completely lost in it. You are aware that this comparing is happening. And asking the question kind of reinforces this uh, way of not being completely lost in it, recognizing that it's happening. So to ask the question reinforces this is something that's happening, this comparing. But it also highlights or maybe reminds us that when we feel bad about ourselves, when we feel good about ourselves, when we're comparing ourselves, influences what we experience and how we interpret what we experience. We all have this experience of getting up on the wrong side of the bed. I like to give this example because I think all of us know this, the way in which we're cranky. We haven't had enough to sleep, eat, or we haven't had enough sleep, or that person is doing that thing that annoys me so much, and I'm getting like angry. And then we just notice that everything starts to irritate us. Our tempers are short, and we just notice all the terrible things that are happening. In contrast, if we have this great sleep, we're on vacation, we have fantastic meals, spending time with our loved ones, we're so happy to be where we are. Maybe it's like aesthetically, visually beautiful, we're at the beach or in the mountains, whatever it is. Have some ease. The same person doing that thing that irritates you. Oh yeah, okay, there's that person who's doing that thing that irritates me. But you don't get so angry about it. Or we might notice these ways of like we're saying to ourselves, oh, there you go again, you're whatever. Like, oh, I'm trying to think of like this long list of things that we say to ourselves. For me, sometimes I find myself going, Diana, and but I say it out loud. <laughs> like when I'm trying to like focus and I have like some work to get done and I find myself like, you know, doing something else. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Diana, you really have to do this. I sometimes I find myself saying, Diana, out loud. And that's like a, a little wake up call. Yes, get to work. So when we there's this sense of ease, then maybe we just 
say, oh, they're okay, that's from my case, that's just doing what Diana does. It doesn't have to mean anything that I'm an inherently bad person or inherently a little bit unfocused. Or It doesn't have to mean anything. It just means that that's what's happening at that time. But there's this way that also asking this question, how does this comparing impact how I see myself and others, highlights this, that the way that we are looking at experience affects experience. So we always have lenses through which we are looking. We may not even recognize this. There may be a way we think, well, I'm just seeing the way things are. Of course we are. Of course I am. But how can it be that sometimes the exact same experience, and if I wish I could give a good example off the top of my head, or maybe it's, you know, putting the dishes away in the dish or putting the dishes in the dishwasher that way that's not quite right you should have the plates all going this certain way or something when our people that we share our households with there's times in which it irritates us and there's a time in which that exact same thing doesn't irritate us which is the real way they do it right it's impossible that doesn't exist The only thing that exists is the way that we are perceiving it at that moment. But another moment, we might perceive it differently. So the lenses through which we are looking influences what we see. Not only how we feel about it, but what we see. We might notice, oh yeah, they other irritating things when we're irritated or when you're relaxed and happy. Maybe you've been on a meditation retreat and you've had some real ease and had some time to settle in and you go for a walking meditation. I know I've, I've had this experience a lot. Going out for a walking meditation and just think like, wow, this plant is so beautiful. I never noticed how these leaves are this particular shape and it's bushy and uh, you know things that ordinarily you just walk on past but after on retreat there's this way they're just beautiful or the color of uh, somebody's jacket I remember one time on this retreat just think like that is that color blue is so beautiful that person is so lucky to have that jacket that's that color right just these things just you know you become more sensitive to So asking this question, when we notice that we're comparing, asking this question, how does this comparing impact how I see myself and others? Does a few things. One, it helps kind of create a little space between us and the comparing so we're not lost in the comparing. Two, it reminds us that the way that we see things influences how we see things. But three it might also bring some insight that there's always a way in which we are viewing things. And that way changes. So that means that the way things are changes. Of course it does. 
But sometimes we get stuck in this idea that things are a certain way and this is just the way that it is. So we're always looking through one lens or another. Maybe it's the one of irritation, maybe it's the one of peace, or maybe it's the one of boredom or whatever it is. And that, using that lens affects things. And if we intentionally switch to a different lens, we will start to notice things differently. And this is partly how meditation practice works. So that's one way we can use this comparing as a gateway. And another way is that we can notice that, I talked about how this is like a human thing that we all do. Humans compare themselves to others. There's a way that we can tune into, yes, this is very often painful to be comparing ourselves to others. Not only because sometimes we don't show up in the best light, but even if we do show up in the best light, in the comparison we decide that actually we're superior and better than whomever we're comparing ourselves to, then we have to always protect that and make sure that they don't think that we're inferior. Somehow we have to project this idea that, uh, or protect or project that we're somehow better. Yeah, 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 I got it. Uh, I know how to do this. You, you don't have to teach me anything. Actually, I know it all. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but there are these subtle ways in which we often are thinking that we're better. So there's this suffering, this it might be subtle or it might not be subtle, that always with this comparison, whatever the outcome is of that comparison, even if we think that we're the same, there's this way that we always have to evaluate, am I still the same? Did they? If they do that, do I do that? So there's this busyness that's associated with it. So one way that we can use this comparing as a gateway to greater freedom is to connect to the common humanity of this experience. Oh, right? This is what it means to be human. Humans do this. And there's a way that we can just say, oh yeah, just like that person there, and 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 that person there, right? Everybody does it. Just like me. There's a way that can be a kind of connecting. We're all trying to find our way with this. And sometimes people are deciding that they are superior and they need to somehow, for whatever reason, need to let us know that they consider themselves superior. And we can say, okay, this is this person doing this comparing. It's the human thing. We could say, like, knock yourself out, but I'm not going to buy into it. I'm not going to buy into this idea that I have to be inferior in order for you to be superior. We can just notice this is what humans do. We don't have to get angry at them. We don't have to be disappointed in them or make them be different. We can just say, yes, I can see that you are doing this comparing. I do it too. And it can just end there. It just end there without having to agree or disagree with it. So these are two ways that actually can be powerful ways to work with this comparing as a gateway to greater freedom. 
But what if we find that we can't even do this working as with a gateway because we're just completely lost in it? And this what this idea of this gateway to greater ease or a stepping stone just feels like just not accessible. Because sometimes when we are in the midst of comparing and we are sure that we're superior or better because this person, like certainly we wouldn't do that, or we think that we're inferior, if we don't have access to maybe use us to the practice, that's okay. This is what happens too. This also is part of the what it means to be a human. I, I want to talk about what are some things that we can do when we notice. <laughs> the first is you have to notice. And so part of the mindfulness practice or meditation practice is getting to know like what the mind does getting to know kind of like this inner dialogue, getting to know this inner voice and to recognize when this comparing is happening. And you just have to just notice it. You might just start doing it again, but then notice it again. And then you might start doing it again and then notice again. And this can be your practice. Maybe your just mindfulness of comparing. And we shouldn't underestimate how powerful that alone can be. You can say, like, oh, there's comparing. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And then maybe we just do what we're going to do next. And then, oh, yep, there's comparison. That's interesting. One thing that can be helpful and can be powerful is to count them. I can't do this. This is ridiculous. Oh, that's comparison. That's uh, comparing one. Gee, that person is making so much noise. I'm not making... Oh, that's comparison number two. And then just count. And there's this way of counting. It starts to feel... It takes away some of the authority and the, I don't know, negativity. And it it starts to be kind of fun. Like, wow, 327, you know, Really? No, wait, 327, 328, you know, or you can't remember. But it's a way to kind of shift our relationship to it. Because often when we notice that we're doing this, we have this idea that we shouldn't. And then there's this aversion, and then the aversion kind of like sticks us to it when we get tangled up in it. So the counting is a way that kind of like normalizes and maybe undoes some of the aversion to it. So... That's one thing to do. First you have to notice and then just start counting how many times it comes up and that can shift. The second is to notice how it feels in the body. Like really how it feels in the body. And this can be really subtle. I talked about how there's a real distinct sense of me versus the world. So there's a subtle sense of contraction this subtle sense of like this sense of a limit that's like me and here's my boundaries and there's the world and everything that's on this side is there a way that you could feel into that feel into either this subtle sense of contraction or feel into this sense of being separate or having a limit or maybe the sense of comparing is, if you're noticing there's a lot of like the superiority conceit, maybe there's a sense of this, even if I found myself doing this in my body, like 
puffing up my chest a little bit. Maybe you might even notice like the chest gets puffed out. Or if you're noticing that the outcome of the comparing is that uh, of being inferior, you might notice that the shoulders and the head might droop a little bit. These might be subtle or they might be obvious. But just to feel in the body... And to do this with a sense of kindness and curiosity, like, wow, okay, how how does this show up in the body? Not so that we can chastise ourselves, but just so that we can notice. Because, again, kind of like transforming the comparing into a somatic experience is a way that we can interrupt this momentum of comparing. So tuning into the felt sense to the bodily experience is a way that takes some of the power out of and the and the this loop that we find ourselves in out of this comparing. And then maybe there's a way that we can invite the body to relax. When we notice how this comparing gets felt, maybe there's a way that we can invite it to relax. In some ways, that's the way that we would relax is to bring a little bit more spaciousness or openness. And that can be literally or figuratively. Figuratively is maybe we might be focused in on, maybe we feel this contraction, this tightness right here in the chest. And to bring, to relax, uh, can be to bring more spaciousness, is to literally just maybe open up awareness to the whole body. To recognize that you're sitting and this is what it feels like to sit. If you're standing, that's what it feels like to be standing. So open up awareness a little bit to the whole body. Open up beyond the body. This really kind of like loose, spacious awareness that's really big, and that is just receiving experiences, most notably receiving sound. Or maybe there's like a a sensation in the knee or the back or something that arises. Is there a way that the awareness can be really big and relaxed? And then like maybe this... uh, twinge in the knee might arise a sound over there might arise and we just let these experiences arise and then pass away while we're just keeping awareness really relaxed and open often we do mindfulness where we're like on one thing like the breath in particular feeling the breath perfectly legitimate way to practice but there can be really wise and helpful to practice in a different way to really open up Is there a way that we can use wisdom practices? So I talked about mindfulness. Notice the thoughts, mindfulness of the body, opening up the awareness. But also we can bring in some wisdom practices to help us with this comparing. And this also can really help uh, with our bring more peace and freedom and ease. And this is to remember that our experience is always changing. We know this. If we've every time we've looked at or meditated, we've noticed that things are always changing. Every meditation session is different. 
might have some similar qualities, but the actual session is different. And of course, actually all of our experiences are changing. Otherwise, right, we would <laughs> there we would be, I guess, blocks of concrete or something. Right? Something's always changing. And so we can remind ourselves of that. We can remind that uh, things there's this inconstancy. Things are changing. And so we might be comparing and we can say, well, we're not always inadequate. We're not always feeling inadequate. We're not always the best. We're not always better than others. We're not always comparing. And so just to bring that in, that this, uh, this flexibility that it's not always like that. It kind of like uh, drains out some of its authority. Like, oh yeah, this is just what's happening in the mind right now. This comparing is just what's happening in the mind right now. In a few moments, it'll be different. It might come back to comparing, but then it'll be different, and it might come back. So there's a way in which we can like grab onto an experience that's happening in the mind, think like, this is a problem, I have to fix it, I have to make it go away. But if we notice, like, oh yeah, our thoughts are always changing, then we can maybe relax a little bit around it, and that we'll see that it's changing. Rising and passing, getting more intense, less intense, going away, and then, you know, we start thinking about, yeah, what's for dinner? You know, or whatever, you know? other types of thoughts that we're having. And maybe one last thing that I'll say about uh, working with this comparing is remember that comparing are just thoughts. They're just thoughts. How many thoughts do you have in a day? A lot. How stable or solid are thoughts. They're not. Right? They're wispy, right? We can't like grab onto them. We can't point to them precisely, really. We could like we could just blow them away. So these compares, they're just thoughts. Thoughts come and go. They're a dime a dozen. You'll have many of them. You might have a thought, the sky is blue. You might have a thought, the carpet is soft. You might have a thought, there's a blue line right here. These are all just thoughts. Like, how come some of them are you really holding on to, and some of them you're not? This is a question to ask yourself. This is part of the human habit. It's like we grab onto some of them, and then we make them mean something without recognizing that actually all thoughts are ephemeral. All thoughts are insubstantial. doesn't mean they're not helpful. It doesn't mean that we don't need them. But it does mean that we don't have to hold on and grab onto them. Thoughts are helpful and useful until they're not. So we need them, but there's a way in which we are often kind of like repeating, repeating, or kind of like obsessing in a certain kind of way. And that's extra. We don't have to do that. So this idea of comparing, that we humans, all humans do. Often when we do this compare, not always, but not for everybody, sometimes we 
come out uh, feeling like this inadequate in some kind of way, this inner critic gets activated in so many different ways. And there's a way in which we can recognize, oh, this is just comparing. We can use this recognition of comparing to connect with other people. This is what humans do. doesn't mean I'm a bad person. And just because this person is comparing themselves to me and they seem to have come up with a particular evaluation doesn't mean we have to go along with it. doesn't mean other people have to go along with our evaluations either, right? And we can work with comparing. We don't have to make it go away. We can recognize that when the comparisons are showing up a certain way, it influences us. Actually, everything influences us. But maybe that's a whole other Dharma talk. But this idea that it's part of the way that we make this self. And we can use notice our comparing as a way to maybe soften the sense of self so there's more ease and freedom. We can do that with mindfulness practices or with some wisdom practices. So I think I'll stop there. And I thank you for your attention. And maybe I'll open it up and see if there's any questions or comments. And then I'm recognizing that I'm tethered here, but the microphone is there. So (laughs) Phil, thank you. (laughs) I don't know if anybody has a comment or a question or something they'd like to say. Maybe, Bill, if you have something, or you don't have to, but uh, you're included in the people that are in the course. Um, well, going back to uh, being on retreat, and then you know, suddenly everything looks beautiful. I'm, it's kind of trivial, but I remember Gil once saying on a retreat, on retreat, even you're walking maybe at Spirit Rock out in the uh, wilderness area next to it, on the hills, trails, and you see a, a crumpled candy wrapper that someone had littered onto it. Even that can look beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thank you, right? It's amazing, right? Other times we might like think, like, oh my gosh, how can somebody leave it there and I'll make it a whole story? I'm always thinking that. So I, I, but I try to remember that story, <laughs> Gil. Sit. That's good. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Yes. Hi, thanks for the talk. So you talked about comparing, and I guess you may have answered a question already, but my question was, so how do you confront um, these feelings of inadequacy or shame? Um, I think you sort of said to sort of focus on the feeling in the present moment. But uh, I sort of noticed that with myself and, and some of the people I sort of compete with in sports and whatnot and, and just sort of having feelings of like inadequacy or, or whatnot and constant loop of comparing. And then you talked about counting. And I was like, uh, I'm not going to get past two or three. It's exhausting, <laughs> but it was a feat I wouldn't attempt. Yeah, yeah. So I will say that I've given a number of talks on this. So you could look up a, like inner critic, and I've done a number of series on it. But here's one thing that I didn't say that I'll, I'll offer right now. Often when the inner critic is up and running, there is this, um, 
there's this part of the voice is like, oh, I'm doing it wrong, or I'm not enough, or something like this. But if we could ask this question, how am I right now? We just ask that, how am I right now? There's this way, if how am I right now, in which we can like tune in to like how we are and feel how we are. That is a way, it's like it's an act of kindness and care to just turn towards ourselves and how am I, to do it with some care, with some care, instead of just feeling like I'm this feeling of inadequacy or something like this. So that's one thing, is to just ask, because often we're asking, like, how could I do it better, or what am I doing wrong, or there's these types of questions that are sometimes uh, implicit in the background, but to change the question how am I? And then we might discover, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I'm hungry. I'm, and that's just how it is. But it interrupts this feeling of uh, inadequacy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, his question brought up for me one thing, another suggestion you made, uh, which was something like, now I'm, I was struggling to remember exactly like how to phrase it, uh, but it's something like, how is this act of comparing affecting how I'm relating or affecting the situation or how I'm relating to others? Uh, and I want to remember that, but it doesn't feel uh, <laughs> easy to remember in my mind this, uh, unless there's like a neater way of, you know, more succinct expression or something. Yeah, a succinct way is to notice the... Yeah, I, I could give like a, a talk on this. I'll, I'll say this succinctly, and hopefully it'll make sense. And if it doesn't, we might have to work with this a little bit. There's the the way of looking. Like, what is the way of looking? Like, what is the lens that we're looking through? Because the way of looking affects what's being seen. So if we just ask ourselves, what is the lens I'm seeing things through maybe is another way or what frame of reference am I using or mm-hmm. something like this yeah cool thank you welcome okay okay so thank you all for your attention and I'll stay up here if you have some more questions otherwise I uh, wish you a wonderful rest of the evening thank you